Amen. Well, as I mentioned, I just have anticipation about today and this service. And just as we were worshiping, um, I was remembering a time a few years ago I had an opportunity to visit uh, New York City. I was speaking at a, a camp in northern New York, and on the way home, um, I got to visit New York City and um, had a chance to go to a church that has been really impactful in my life. And I just remember, like, I don't know if you've been in New York City or, or been to a city that big, but being in a city of that size is crazy. <laughs> like, the hustle and bustle and just people coming and going, and you just feel really small. Like, you feel insignificant, you feel really small, you feel a little bit overwhelmed, and I get energized by that. I love the busyness, I love the craziness of it. But I just remember being on a really busy street, and I was walking down this busy street, and then I walked into this church, and it was a place that I'd been really wanting to go to for a long time. And as soon as I walked in, I just felt this sense of peace. I was like, oh, it's just chill in here. And, and I, I knew a little bit about what to expect, and this pastor had been really influ influential in my life, and so there was just this sense of peace and calm. And it was kind of like a picture for me of what it looks like to gather as the church of Jesus in a world of craziness and chaos. Like, we are surrounded by chaos, and if you're watching the news lately, it's just like there's one event after another, and it can be really unsettling. But when you gather like we're doing right now as the church and just worship Jesus, there is this sense of peace because we are, we're worshiping the Creator who has everything under control. And so in the middle of chaos and craziness, we get to enter into this, this peace and this rest. And, and I also believe, and I was just thinking about this as we were worshiping this morning, um, it's not, sometimes I think that we think as of the church as like an oasis. It's like an escape from all the chaos going on around us. But the, the scriptures actually talk about you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you believe him, if you trust him, the scripture talks about you and I like we are the first fruits of God's new creation. So when we, when we do what we're doing this morning, we're, we're doing what all of creation will one day do. Like the scriptures talk about a day that is coming where every knee will bow. Like there's a day, like right now people can say, well, I don't want anything to do with God or I don't believe in Jesus or whatever the case may be. But the scriptures are really clear. There's a day coming where God will be fully revealed, where we won't see through a glass dimly anymore, where it's going to be totally clear who's really in charge. And the scriptures say that every knee will bow. So what we're engaging in now, we're just, we're engaging in it now, but it's like sort of leading the way for what God's desire is for all of us to do. And uh, so anyway, it's, it's important to do. I think that's why it's so important and why I get excited about getting together and gathering and worshiping Jesus. Um, the, the sermon today, I'm, we don't, we're not going to have notes on the screen as I, you know, because we don't have our, uh, computer, uh, projector working. We'll get that fixed, hopefully. Uh, so this morning, I, this went a different direction. If you read the email this week, I, I mentioned that this uh, went a different direction than I had anticipated. And I, what I want to talk to you about today is three pillars of peace. And I don't think that this could have come at a better time, which is often the case when I'm getting ready for a sermon. I'm like, man, Lord, it just seems like this is so fitting for what we're going through right now, uh, which was the whole point of God giving us the Scripture, was to give us uh, an idea of what He's like so we can relate with Him in the here and now. But I want to talk about three pillars of peace. I almost went with the title, uh, I wrote it down here, okay, Confusion, Terror, and Absolute Peace. That was, I almost went with that title, Confusion, Terror, and Absolute Peace. 
but I think three pillars of peace, you'll see why um, that's more fitting. But what I want to emphasize, so this morning we're going to look at Daniel chapter 7 through 12, okay, so that whole section of Scripture. And if you've ever read the book of Daniel, anybody here ever read the book of Daniel? Familiar with it? Okay. So the first six chapters of Daniel, there's lots of stories. There's the story of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting thrown into the fire, and then God saves them and protects them. There's the story of uh, Daniel in the lion's den, where God is with Daniel and saves him from being devoured by lions. There's the famous story. You ever heard the saying, the writing is on the wall? Anybody ever heard that? The writing is on the wall. That, you know that's from the book of Daniel? Did you realize that? That saying that we use is, yeah, that, Randy knows. So when you say the writing is on the wall, usually what, you're, what you mean is you're saying, okay, bad things are about to happen and it's being really clear right now. Like the writing's on the wall. You know, things are going to get really bad. Things are going to go horrible. Well, that's actually from Daniel chapter 5. There's this king that's doing all kinds of really evil things, and God actually shows up just God's hand, and he writes on the wall, and that very night, this king is, like, killed. Okay? It's a pretty cool story. Lots of excitement, lots of things going on. So the first six chapters of Daniel are all about that. The, the, the last half of Daniel, chapters 7 through 12, they're end-time prophecies. So it's the only time in the Old Testament where the end times are focused on big time. Daniel, the book of Daniel is very closely connected to the book of Revelation. So if you've ever read the book of Revelation and you've wondered about what does this beast mean? What does this vision mean? What does it mean when so-and-so says this or that? Daniel and, and uh, Revelation, they're like brother and sister, okay? If you, if you want to look at Bible books like that, that's how closely connected they are, okay? They're both what's called apocalyptic. They're talking about the end. And Daniel, um, you'll see this. So, and I just wanted to, I want to point this out before we jump in, because uh, I'm going to read uh, uh, like a few verses from kind of all over Daniel 7 to 12. But there's a time, and we talked about it, when Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. Well, it doesn't talk about Daniel being terrified when he gets thrown in the lion's den. And the same thing when Daniel's uh, three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Rakshak and Benny, if you're a VeggieTales fan, okay? Um, when those guys get thrown into the, into the fire, it doesn't talk about them being filled with terror. They're, they're actually at peace. I don't know if you remember, but I, I referenced it a couple weeks ago. They actually say to the king, they say, you know, we're not going to bow down to your idol. So even if we die in this fire, like, we're still not going to submit to you. We'll, we'll, we'll die. We, we believe God can protect us, but even if he doesn't, that's okay. So there's like these cra- I want you to just imagine that. So say, imagine you're standing before a king who has the power to throw you into a raging fire or into a den of lions where the lions are just hungry and ready to devour and, and how fearful you might feel. Well, in the scriptures, when you read the first six chapters of Daniel, there's not a whole lot of mention of terror and fear. But in the last half of Daniel, 7 to 12, I, I've got it written down somewhere. I think it's like nine or ten times Daniel mentions that he is absolutely terrified. And, and what he's terrified by are all of these end-time prophecies he gets. So they kind of puts things into perspective. He wasn't afraid of being thrown in a lion's den. He was afraid of what he was seeing in his visions that had to do with the end times. Does that kind of freak you out a little bit? Okay, like nine or ten times when you read through 7 to 12, Daniel says things like he was so afraid, he was so filled with terror that there was times he couldn't even get up, he felt sick. He was overwhelmed, just, just felt such terror. When I, uh, I've told this story before, but I want to share it from a different perspective because it's like probably the time that I felt the most terror. 
Um, but 10 years ago, Esther and I were driving to uh, this small town in Nova Scotia, and we were driving along. So she was probably like six or seven at the time, and it was this backcountry road, and I was on the phone with Vicky, and it was wintertime. Vicky was on speaker, and I was driving along, and I hit a, a sheet of black ice. And so this little car that we had, um, it, was pr- it was a little four-cylinder hatchback car, we hit this sheet of ice, and the car, like, I just completely lost control. And the car spun around, and I went down off the, the highway, and it was a country highway, so it was just like a two-lane. Cars coming out of way. And it was like quite a drop down off the side of the highway, and we hit a telephone pole. And so I'm driving along, and I started to lose control, and all I remember was screaming. And Vicky's on the other end, by the way. Imagine how, <laughs> like, how cool that would have been for a mom, right? Um, we're just talking along, her daughter's in the back, and she hears me go, ah! and then she hears this crash. So I throw the phone, and I just like, all I remember was, I remember screaming and throwing the phone, and then I remember this crunch, and so the car spun around, and the passenger side uh, right beside me just caved in, because we hit this telephone pole, and it just caved the car completely in. And so I remember the scream, I remember losing control, and then I just remember sitting there and looking next to me, and the car was just completely caved in. And I and then my next thought, and I sat there for a couple seconds, and it was complete silence. And my next thought was, I don't hear Esther. And all I know is, like, the car is caved in, and I don't hear Esther. And I know that she's in the back. And she was actually on the side that we smashed into the telephone pole. And so then I had this, like, terror, like this absolute terror come over me to the point where it was, like, palpable. I could actually feel the terror. I could feel just the just absolute fear. And, and I screamed, which made Esther cry. So... That's how I knew she was okay. <laughs> so I was sitting there. You can imagine, like, we go off the road. We hit this telephone pole. I look over. The car's caved in. And I'm just like, ah, like I screamed because I was afraid I was going to look back and she'd be, like, unconscious or covered with blood or worse. Like, maybe she didn't make it because all I knew was her side of the car had caved in. And so my terror terrified her. She was fine. And then she started crying because she was, not because of the accident, but because I freaked out. <laughs> so anyway, I got out and... Uh, I couldn't find my phone, so I remember saying out loud, I was like, and I remembered that Vicky had been on, and I'm like, Vicky, we're okay if, you, if you're still there. And uh, anyways, I got Esther, and we had to flag someone down, and we like went into the little town, and uh, things worked out okay. And I was so thankful to God, because if we had been like a foot forward, it would have been Esther's door that was caved in instead of the passenger side door. But what, what stuck out to me was like that feeling of absolute helplessness and just terror. Like, if you're a parent, then you know you would do anything to protect your child. There's nothing you wouldn't do. You'd give up your own life. Right, Mike? Mike's agreeing. Like, you, your little son's here today. Like, there's, a, you wouldn't, there's nothing you wouldn't do to save your child. Or if may, maybe you have a parent or you have somebody that's a loved one. Maybe you're not a parent, but you've got somebody you're really close to that you would give up your life for them if you had the choice. Problem is, a lot of times, we don't have that choice when accidents happen or things go wrong. When, when we don't have control over an event like that or something going on, sometimes it causes us to feel terror, like just absolute terror. That's what Daniel is describing. If you read, and I encourage you, if you haven't done it yet, go home and read chapters 7 through 12 after today because we're just going to kind of jump around a little bit, but I want to highlight what's going on in this. And, and what I want to really highlight, what I want you to remember through all this is there's three pillars of peace that I believe God um, revealed to Daniel, but he's also revealing to us. 
But what Daniel was seeing, he was seeing end times. He was seeing craziness that was about to come, and he felt helpless. Daniel was an Israelite, and he had a lot of people that he loved, that he prayed for on a regular basis, and the visions that he was seeing were indicating to him that there were things that were going to happen where people were going to experience death, they were going to experience loss, there was just terrible things about to come, and Daniel felt that terror. He just felt gripped by this realization there's nothing he could do about it, and I think it's something that you and I can relate to. So in this, um, in this section, uh, there's all kinds of imagery, okay? So there's like, there's, he has a vision of this ram and this goat. He's got visions of like these four beasts. Um, the angel Gabriel shows up and talks to Daniel. Daniel sees this archangel Michael. He sees all these heavenly beings. So he's this little human being that gets these visions, like, and, they're, and if you've ever read prophetic literature, um, you'll, you'll know that some of that stuff's really hard to figure out. But what did the ram mean? What did the beast with the four heads mean? How terrifying would it have been to be the guy that saw those four beasts? <laughs> right? like, and if you've read Revelation, you can relate with that. There's all kinds of imagery. There's all kinds of things that we don't fully understand. Well, in Daniel's case, a lot gets explained to him. Uh, and I did write it down. So there's, there's, in this section, just from Daniel 7 to 12, I counted, and I, and I could be wrong if I miscounted, so I encourage you to go and read this for yourself. But I counted 10 times where Daniel references fear, terror, trembling, and being afraid, to the point where sometimes he's physically sick, where he physically can't even get up off his bed. There's eight references. Just in these chapters, there's eight references to God's people actually being overthrown. So I just, okay, so like if I'm putting myself in Daniel's shoes, that'd be like God giving me a vision, okay, and I love the people of Thunder Bay. All of you that are here, you tuned in online, that love Jesus, I love you, and I'm a part of uh, the church community here, and if God started to show me, hey, all those people that you love, like, some of them are going to be just overthrown. There's going to be wars. There's going to be bad times coming. Like, that would be really uh, jarring to me. It would be a fearful thing. There's eight times where God talks about those people being overthrown. And there's nine times, just in Daniel 7 to 12, where the Scriptures talk about how what we're reading has to do with the end. So the way God, and this is what is, is interesting, and this might not be very comforting to you, and I'm sorry if this isn't comforting to you, but it's almost like there's a few times where God says to Daniel, he's like, it's okay, Daniel, don't worry, this is about the end times. <laughs> so I'm reading this, and I'm like, Lord, is that our times? Like the way God comforted Daniel was like, don't worry, you're not going to see all these things happen. They will in 2022, okay? <laughs> right? It's coming in 20, just, it's fine, it's going to be okay, but it's coming down the road, okay? I'm not saying that we're in the end times right now. Like, we're always living in anticipation of, of the return of Christ. Nobody knows the day or the hour. But I just think it's kind of interesting that that's the way God comforts Daniel. He says, oh, it's not going to happen right now. Like, it's, it's later. So, all of the things that go on in the world have a way of making you and I feel afraid, feeling nervous. And so, I'm going to read, uh, and if you've got a, if you're old school today and you brought an actual physical Bible, that would be great because we don't have anything on the screen. Uh, so you can follow along. I'll, I'll tell you the reference. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a couple verses from Daniel chapter 8. And I just want to try to, and we're going to get to this three pillars of peace, but I want to help paint the picture of why Daniel was afraid. But I also just want to say, I really believe that this is something that you and I, in this world that we live in, can relate to. You know, there's this crisis going on with Ukraine and Russia right now. 
the last couple years in Canada have been crazy. We just, we just had a, a demonstration in Ottawa, unlike anything any of us have ever seen in our lifetime. There's, there's some things going on in our, in our country, but also in our world that are unsettling. And it makes us ask questions like, well, what, what does this mean? What, what is to come? People are asking questions like, are we going to see a third world war? You know, and, and it's a legitimate question that people have. And so we can relate to this. And uh, Daniel, big time, can relate to it. And so I want to read a, from, from Daniel chapter 8, and you can follow along. This is the New Living Translation. And uh, again, I'm just going to read, there's a few sections I'm going to read from. And I'm just going to read a few verses at a time, but this is, this is all from Daniel's cha- Daniel chapters 7 through 12, and just try to paint the picture of uh, what was going on, and, and then to really highlight on these three pillars of peace. So Daniel 8, starting in verse 8. Let me just pray uh, before we read. Lord, I, I just want to thank you that we have your word to go to when we feel afraid. Lord, one of the things that we're going to see in the life of Daniel is that he actually went to your word for direction, for guidance, for hope. And for thousands of years, your followers have been going to your word for for hope, for security, for guidance, for direction, for purpose. And I just pray, Lord, that as we look into your word, that we would experience you. And and Lord, I I know your presence is with us today. We celebrated communion. Um, Lord, we're remembering your life, death, and resurrection, but we're also participating in that even now. And we know your presence is with us, and we thank you for that, Lord. So I just pray that you'd speak to us, uh, alert us to what you're saying and to your truth as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So verses 8 through 12, Daniel chapter 8, says, The goat became very powerful, but at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off. In the large horn's place grew four prominent horns pointing in the four directions of the earth. Then from one of the prominent horns came a small horn whose power grew very great. It extended toward the south and the east and toward the glorious land of Israel. Its power reached the heavens where it attacked the heavenly army, throwing some of the heavenly beings and some of the stars to the ground and trampling them. It even challenged the commander of heaven's army by canceling the daily sacrifices offered to him and by destroying his temple. The army of heaven was restrained from responding to this rebellion, so the daily sacrifice was halted. And catch this, okay, this verse. And truth was overthrown. The horn succeeded in everything that it did. So Daniel lived, okay, at a time where he was in exile, okay? So if you've been a part of this series, you know. Israel was defeated. Daniel and some of his friends were abducted, and they were forced to serve this uh, wicked king in Babylon. And then when one king died, another one came to power. Israel was in Babylon under captivity for 70 years. And this would have been near the end of Daniel's stay in Babylon. So he's probably been there for 40 or 50 years at this point. And God is giving him these visions. And he sees this vision of this ram. And when the vision gets explained, God says it has to do with the time of the end. And Daniel's afraid. And, and you, you don't have to wonder why Daniel feels afraid. Because it talks about how truth itself gets overthrown for a period of time. And it even talks, I don't know if you, if you caught it, but it talks about how some of the heavenly beings in God's army are being thrown down. So there's this like spiritual cosmic battle that's going on in the heavenly realms. And even some of the spiritual beings themselves are being defeated for a time. 
And this phrase has really gotten me. It says in here, truth itself was overthrown. Can you imagine living in a world where truth is just non-existent anymore? You know, like if, you, if, if you've ever experienced being falsely accused of something, I've got people that I'm, I'm friends with that have had crazy false accusations against them. Like stuff that's just shameful, stuff they could go to prison for. And, and the hope that people hold on to is that the truth will be exposed, <clears throat> right? Because if the truth comes out, it solves everything. But can you imagine living in a world where for a period of time, truth itself gets overthrown? That's what Daniel is dealing with. So this vision, he gets told truth itself is going to be overthrown for a time. But that's part of the reason he's afraid. Another reason, in, in Daniel chapter 8, verses 23 to 25, it talks about an evil ruler that has success in his rule for a time. So eight, uh, chapter 8, verses 23 to 25, it says, At the end of their rule, when their sin is at its height, a fierce king, listen to the description of this king, a master of intrigue will rise to power. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause a shocking amount of destruction and succeed in everything he does. Like, this is the description. So Daniel's being told, this evil, wicked ruler is going to come to power, and he's going to succeed in everything that he sets his hand to do. If you're a weak person who kind of relies on things going well around you, relies on the government to make good decisions, that's a terrifying description of this ruler that is to come. And, and God is, is showing this to Daniel. He said there's going to be a time where he's going to succeed in everything he does. He will destroy powerful leaders and devastate the holy people. He will be a master of deception and will become arrogant. He will destroy many without warning. He will even take on the prince of princes in battle, but he will be broken, though not by human power. Like, you can see why Daniel's afraid, right? So I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, okay, in this section of Scripture, it talks about Daniel just being filled with terror. But when you go back and read Daniel, when he's standing before Darius and Nebuchadnezzar, and he refuses to, to bow to what they say to bow to, he's not really displaying all these signs of terror and fear. Like, when it came to just him standing up for his faith, he was like, I'll die. I don't, I, I'm okay with that. But then when God starts showing him, like, this wicked ruler is going to come, and he's going to destroy everything, and he's actually going to be successful, he's going to even destroy the, the, the people of God for a time, Daniel is just quivering. He's shaking in his boots, and he's going, what? Like, what's going on? Like, truth itself the scriptures say, gets overthrown for a while. Like, doesn't that make it make sense why Daniel felt so much terror? Why over and over again it talks about him, you know, at some points not even being able to move, like he's paralyzed by fear. And these prophecies have to do with the end times. And I'm, I'm convinced of this. Uh, most people who are Jesus followers, like over the centuries, believe that they're going to see the return of Christ in their lifetime. If you, if you read the writings of Paul in the New Testament, early in Paul's life and ministry, he, like, I believe he, he believed he would see the return of Christ in his lifetime. And then as it got later in Paul's ministry, he realized that he wasn't going to because he started talking about his death and he started talking about the work being carried on after him. But most Christians uh, in, in centuries gone by believe that they're going to see the return of Christ, that they're going to see the end times, right? And we could... For all we know, we could see the return of, of Christ in our, in our lifetime. The Scriptures don't tell us when that will be. But if you think about uh, Christians that lived in the Soviet Union under Joseph Stalin, I'm convinced that 
a lot of them believed that some of these prophecies had to do specifically with Joseph Stalin. Or if you think about Christians in, in North Korea, under the what's going on there in the dictatorship, I believe a lot of them are, are tying some of these prophecies to the things that are going on in North Korea. Or Christians during the Great Depression. You know, a lot of the descriptions that we see here about the, the church being overthrown and people suffering and wicked people having success, like that, that can be applied to some of the things that we've seen in history. And I'm, I'm convinced uh, of this, and I just want to give you this, this thought. This has been something that's been uh, a comfort to me because I don't know when we're going to see the return of Christ. N- nobody knows. Jesus himself said that no man knows the day or the hour. But every one of us will experience the end of time in one of two ways, okay? So it's a perfect statistic that 10 out of 10 people die. And when I got thinking about, did you know that? Okay, I just didn't want to move on too quickly. So sorry for the heaviness today, okay? I don't always like being heavy, but we just, we're going to be real. So um, when I got thinking about end times and the return of Christ, I, I started realizing, like, actually all of us are going to experience a sort of end times, whether we see the full return of Christ or not. Because all of us, if we don't see the return of Christ in our lifetime, are going to die at some point. Okay? I don't want to pop anyone's bubble, right? Um, or, but the but Scriptures do talk about there is a time, there's all these catastrophic events, there's all these world craziness things going on, and at some point, God is coming to restore all things. But the Bible actually talks about prior to that happening, there is a, a time of, of suffering and difficulty. The early Christians had a term that they used called Maranatha, which just means come Lord Jesus. Um, I remember in Bible school, our professor used to say that at exam time every year because everybody would be all stressed out and overwhelmed and he'd say, Maranatha, just come Lord before the exams come. Um, but that's something that even the early, early Christians would just cry out to, like in, in their times of suffering, it was like this desire of come Lord Jesus. And all of us will experience the coming of Jesus, whether it's the, the full return of Christ or it's us going to meet him before that actual return. So, having said that, it is so vital. Gene led us in communion this morning. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we profess faith in him, the Bible says we're in relationship with him. It means that ultimately we don't have to be afraid of all of the craziness that's going on around us. We will feel fear at some times. We will, we will feel overwhelmed. But in the big picture of it, we don't actually have to be given over to fear because we know we're in the hands of Almighty God. I want to read a couple of verses that have to do with, with persecution. And so in this, and again, this is part of the reason why Daniel is feeling such terror, such fear, is because any thought of like God's people being overthrown or any thought of persecution is not a great thought. It's, it's, it's not something that's fun to think about. And persecution, I don't know if you knew this, but it's not necessarily a sign of the end. could be. But it's not necessarily a sign of the end. But it's always a time where God refines His people. We watched, so last week was a really powerful service. We, we talked about the persecuted church, and then we get together last Sunday night for Free Burma Rangers. Amazing movie. We saw some people that are experiencing persecution. I don't know if you noticed this, but in, in the movie Free Burma Rangers, a lot of these people that are experiencing like wartime and, and they don't know if they're going to even be alive in the next minute because of what they're being faced with and what they're running into, the battles and all that kind of stuff. But there was just this like really sweet character of Jesus. Like you could see it in their testimonies. One of the guys, one of my favorite guys in the movie, he was the guy that was filming 
and, and he filmed a lot of the scenes. He filmed a lot of what, was, what happened. Well, at the time that the movie came out, he had actually been killed in one of the battles. I don't know if you saw that in the end credits. But all the way through, this guy just had this peace. He just had this genuine love of Jesus and this trust. And he displayed signs of being afraid. He was afraid when they went in to rescue the little girl that was in the line of fire. He talked about it. He, he, was, he was nervous. But he had this trust of God. And, and his character had been developed. I was watching it, and I was thinking about, you know, the comfort that we live in in a place like Canada and how a lot of times our character doesn't get developed like that. Not that I'd wish persecution, but the Scriptures actually tell us that persecution, God uses that to actually refine His church. Daniel chapter 11, if you want to follow along, I'm going to read uh, 11 verses 33 to 35. So listen to, just think about how Daniel's receiving this. It says, wise leaders will give instruction to many, but these teachers will die by fire and sword, or they will be jailed and robbed. During these persecutions, little help will arrive, and many who join them will not be sincere. And some of the wise will fall victim to persecution. In this way, they will be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end, for the appointed time is still to come. So wise leaders. So it's, Daniel's being told about a time coming where even the wise leaders, the teachers from among the people of God, are going to be killed or, or destroyed. So that'd be like, if you're Daniel, if I put myself in Daniel's shoes, you know, I, all of us probably appreciate Gene. I'm using Gene as the, as the wise teacher. Um, not just because he's wise, but it's just more comfortable to talk about. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but imagine, though. Okay, so Gene's a teacher in our midst, right? He gets up and he, he leads community, he preaches, he shares. And, and Daniel's being told, people that are wise teachers that have those kinds of positions, like some of them are going to be taken from you. Some of them are going to be killed. And then the people of God are going to be left to try to wrestle and figure things out. It's a scary thought Daniel had to wrestle with. The persecution that was being talked about was not comfortable. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 10, and this is where um, this, this truth comes from that, um, that I shared with you about how persecution is something God uses to refine His people. Daniel 12.10 says, Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will, will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. So it talks about the refining work that God does in times of persecution. So I hope that paints the picture of why Daniel felt afraid. He had all these visions about the end. He had, he had a prophecy that even some of the teachers and some of the people of God were going to be defeated for a while. God reveals to Daniel that at, for a time, even truth will be overthrown. I got Gene, to, uh, Gene and Terry have this nice stool, and uh, I asked them to bring it in because I want to talk about three pillars of peace. And I have to tell you the, <laughs> the response. I can't not. I texted Gene. I said, Gene, I said, do you have a, like a three-legged wooden stool that you, could, that you could lend me for the sermon illustration. He said, sure. He said, I'll take a picture and then I'll send you the stool sample. So, <laughs> Gene's such a linguist. So, anyway, um, he sent it to me. This is perfect. So, um, this, is, this is the illustration I want to use for pillars of peace, okay? So, this stool is very sturdy. I knew it was going to make some of you nervous if I stand on this, but it's, it's sturdy, okay? You can stand on it, it's, it's going to hold weight. And the reason why is because it's got these three pillars. And I want you to imagine that uh, each of these pillars has a title. And, and imagine that this is actually bigger. It's a bigger structure that you were standing under. We, we feel safe standing under a structure if it's supported well. 
right? And in the book of Daniel, and this is really what I want to emphasize this morning. This is what I, I believe God is speaking to you and I uh, from the life of Daniel, is that just like those three legs hold up the stool and it can support a significant amount of weight, uh, we can have pillars in our life that support us in times of terror, hardship, confusion. And those three are, and this, if you're writing this, I'd encourage you to write this down because I, I did have a slide for it, but um, Scripture, prayer, and identity. Okay, and I'm just going to work through this quick, and, and then I want to give us a time um, just to pray as we, as we close with a song. But in these chapters, Daniel 7 through 12, these, these three pillars are the reason why Daniel was okay. Like under pressure, under stress, under fear, under terror, the reason that the, the weight, you know, the reason he didn't crumble under the weight is because he had these three pillars of Scripture, prayer, and identity. Okay, and, and identity might be something you're like, well, where did that come from? And I want to show you that in a minute. So in our lives, and this is what I want to just encourage, I think more uh, than ever, and this is always important, but as we follow Jesus, it is absolutely essential that we have these three pillars in our life. Scripture, prayer, and identity. So Scripture, in, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, this is one of the, it's a really neat moment in the Scripture. So when you read the Scripture, most times we're reading about, about how God spoke to people, um, you know, 3,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago when we're reading the story. Well, in Daniel, we actually get a snapshot of somebody who actually read Scripture. When we opened this series, I talked about how Jeremiah was the prophet that actually prophesied. So when Daniel was a young, probably late teens, early 20s exile, being abducted and taken to, to Babylon, Jeremiah was the prophet who said, this, this is actually from God. You guys are going to spend 70 years in exile in Babylon. You need to embrace where you're going. And, and this was God's word. God spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. It was the word of God. Jeremiah also wrote down a lot of prophecies and words from God. It's called the book of Jeremiah in the Bible. So Daniel actually starts to read God's prophecies through Jeremiah, and it, actually, and it gives him shape uh, and focus for his life. So Daniel chapter 9, verse 2 says, During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord, Scripture, as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. This is one of the examples in Scripture of somebody using Scripture, and it gave him uh, focus, security, stability in his life. So when all of the craziness was going on around him, and there's things he didn't understand, Daniel went to the Scriptures. And God spoke to him, through the scriptures. And I, and I would say that even for us today, when we look around at the things going on in the world and we're like, oh, are we going to head into World War III? Are we going to head into a time of tyranny in our country? What's going on? And we, we look around. Like, God has given us scripture to say, listen, there are times coming that are crazy, but I'm, I'm here for you. You can trust me. I have a plan. A day is coming where every knee will bow, where God is going to bring everything under his, his authority and control. So scripture was, was one of the pillars that, that gave Daniel peace. The second one, prayer, there's a couple uh, verses in here that are so profound. In, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, 
It says, then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day, listen to this, this angelic being, this heavenly host uh, being says to Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. Isn't that amazing? So Daniel, is, he goes to the scriptures. God gives him peace. God gives him comfort. He gives him a little bit of an understanding of what's going on. And then Daniel was a man of prayer. Okay, if you remember from Daniel chapter 6, the reason Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den is because he refused to pray to the king, and he continued to pray to God. He was a man of prayer. Every day, he went to his house. He prayed with his windows open, facing Jerusalem, and just honored God. And, and this heavenly being, so when Daniel feels afraid, this heavenly being says, Daniel, when you prayed, God responded immediately. I'm here in response to your prayer. Like, I don't know, if that doesn't comfort you, I don't know what will. God answers our prayer. And then in, 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 there's another time where this is highlighted. In, in chapter 9, verse 23, this angelic being says, the moment you began praying, a command was given. So there's times in our lives where we feel absolutely overwhelmed. We feel terrified. We feel afraid. And we go to God in prayer. And sometimes when we pray, and I'll be the first to admit it, I'm like, is God, does he hear me? Is it making any difference? Is anything even happening? You know, Daniel felt that. There's a reason he had terror. And then this angelic being comes, and two different times he says, the moment you started to pray, a response happened in heaven. Daniel couldn't see that. He didn't see the response. It was something that he had to believe by faith. But he gets that revealed to him. this, This angelic being says, the moment you prayed, something happened. And so Daniel, but... For as far as pillars of peace go, he's got, he's got scripture, he's got prayer. These are reasons that in crazy times he was able to have peace. And the third one is identity. And I think I'm, it's not the most important. I just think it's one that is, is the least obvious or one we don't talk about often. There's three times, okay, in this section of scripture, Daniel's, Daniel chapter 7 through 12, where God reveals to Daniel what he thinks of him. Okay, and this is how I want to I close with this third pillar, and, and I want this to be um, even personal for you. If, if you're somebody who believes God, if you trust Him, but if you're also somebody who's felt just fear and terror, and you're not sure what to do in response to some of the situations going on around you, take comfort in this. The rest of the verse that I read earlier of 9.23, I'm going to read three different places where God gives Daniel his identity. In, in uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 23, this, this heavenly being says, the moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I'm here to tell you what it was. And, and listen to what he says to Daniel. He says, for you are very precious to God. So Daniel, in the middle of all this craziness, he feels small, he feels insignificant, he feels overwhelmed. And God wants Daniel to know you're precious to me. Like, that'll get you through anything. Like, if you're going through absolute chaos and you have no idea what to do and your world around you is just crumbling, but if you know I'm precious to God, I mean, that'll get you through anything. You're precious to the creator of the universe, the one who has all power, the one who never fails, the one whose words always accomplish what he intends for them to accomplish. He says to Daniel, you're precious to me. And Daniel, I think, doesn't really hear it or believe it because he has to repeat it three times, okay? So in, in 9, verse 23, he says it, and then in chapter 10, verse 11, it says, and the man said to me, this man sent from heaven, this messenger, Daniel, 
you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. So again, he repeats it. So Daniel hears it the first time, you're precious to God. But even me just saying that to you, it's hard for us to actually accept that God loves us. Probably most of you that are hearing that are like, well, yeah, for Daniel. But it's, it's hard to accept that I might be precious to God. Even for Daniel. That's why it has to get repeated so many times. So he says it in 10, 11. And then the last one, 10, uh, verse 19, he says, don't be afraid, he said. So after this, this is like, he's already told him twice, you're precious to God. Daniel's already spent time in the scriptures. He's already been a man of prayer. He still is afraid. He's still overwhelmed. 10, verse 19, he says, don't be afraid, for you are very precious to God. He repeats this three times. He says, peace, be encouraged, be strong. As he spoke this words, and, and this is really important. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. You know what's interesting? Daniel doesn't feel strengthened until the third time he hears it. So this heavenly being comes down. So Daniel's afraid. He's seeing all these visions. He's thinking about the end times. He's thinking about all the craziness that's about to come. And he feels terror. He feels paralyzed. And this heavenly being says, you're precious to God. And Daniel's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Again, you're precious to God. Okay, yeah. And the third time, it's like it hits him. And he goes, wow, I'm like, I'm precious to God? You know, if you're a person who can, you, you, you spend time in the scriptures and you believe what God has said, you spend time in prayer, right? And you're, you're praying and believing God for good things, but you don't know who you are in God. You're like a stool with two legs. I wouldn't have stood on that stool, <laughs> okay? Well, I might have, but no, most people wouldn't. I, I like risks. But, but it wouldn't have helped me up, right? Two-legged stool. The, the, the identity piece is actually believing that we are loved by God. If you believe that you're precious to and loved by God, then regardless of what you face, you'll face that with peace. I'm not saying you won't feel afraid, you won't feel overwhelmed sometimes, but overall, you'll have peace. And these, these three pillars of peace, I just want to encourage you uh, to be the type of person that as you follow God, you, yeah, spend time in Scripture, you pray, but listen to God and believe what He says about you, and you'll be a person of, of peace. I'm going to invite the team to come up, and we're going to close with a song um, or two. If you guys want to play Majesty again, too, that would be really good. I just want to invite you, just even as we close with this song, and you, you can stand, and if you feel to come up and spend some time just praying at the altar, uh, I encourage you to do that, uh, and just just open your heart to the Lord. And 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 I, I can't close without saying, like, if, if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, the, the way to experience the peace of God, the way to know that you're, you're accepted by Him is to surrender your heart to Christ. It's, it's to admit, Lord, I, I know I can't get there. I can't get to you on my own. It's through Jesus. It's through what Jesus has done. And I encourage you to, even if you want to speak that out to Him. Um, but that third one, identity, is so important. I think we all know, like, yeah, Scripture's important. Prayer's important. But it's vital that we understand what God says about us, what he says to us. And if those three things come together, um, we'll walk in peace. And so let's just pray and, and we'll close with this song. Lord, I just want to thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Uh, and Lord, I just want to confess, I, I find it hard to believe I'm precious to you. 
I'm comforted by the fact that Daniel had to have that repeated to him three times. Because he's he was a man just like like us. He was a human being like like all of us. And it was hard for him to accept that. And I just pray for all of us in this room, all of us that are tuned in on, online, uh, that you would bring us to the point of being able to just trust you. In the midst of these crazy times that we live in, there's things going on that we don't fully understand. We're not sure uh, what it all means or what's going to happen, but Lord, you've given us a way that we can actually have peace. Lord, you've given us really clear truth in the scripture. You've given us a way to talk to you through prayer. And Lord, when we, when we receive you, when we are yours, uh, we're precious to you, just like Daniel was precious to you. And I just pray you help us to, to really believe that with all of our hearts and to walk that out. We love you, God. In Jesus' name.